<laughs> that was a real puzzle. <laughs> oh, gotta look proper. Seeing too much. All right, are we ready to do this? Okay. All right, let's do it live. Cool. Okay, so um, welcome. Welcome to another episode of the Steel Entrepreneur Show. This is episode 32, and we have my good buddy, Hussein Kathir. I'll let me pronounce that again, Hussein Kathir, because I said that too fast. Um, I got a little, uh, I got some questions here. And so, as you guys know, if it, well, if you watched the episode previous to this, or the preview to the episode before this, I have introduced some, some interviews into the mix. And so I'll do a couple interviews, I'll do sort of my own sort of solo episode or an in-between episode, and then do a couple other interviews and so on and so forth. So nothing super formal. I have some questions for you, Fantastic. Hussein. I've done my research on oh, you, Hussein. So I've heard. And um, yeah, we'll kind of go from there. You know, I didn't fact check some of this stuff. Some of this might be some fake news right here. <laughs> alternative facts. <laughs> some alternative facts. Alternative facts. But uh, you can- As long as they're good. You can correct me if I'm wrong, or right. if, it's, um, if it makes you sound really good, then you maybe we'll just- I'm just gonna run with it. it. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna run with it. All right. Perfect. All I right. like that. Add it to my bio. So, in today's episode, we have Hussein Kathir. Hussein is the co-founder, that's correct, right? You co-founded Vancouver General Contractors? That's right. Okay and CEO of Vancouver, Vancouver General Contractors, a rapidly growing, award-winning design and build firm. So a general contracting design and build firm. Hussein grew VGC to uh, $1 million in revenue in year one after arriving fresh from Ottawa. So there was no business here. He moved over from Ottawa, started VGC, and grew from there and has grown his team and company exponentially in the last six years. Six years, right? Is that about That's it? That's right. Oh, my facts are standing up. This is all right. He is a humble, quiet operator, in my opinion. Okay. And I am proud to call him a good friend. Hussein, thank you for coming on the Thanks show. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. I'm excited. So we're gonna start with some very typical type questions. The All first right. being, um, how is it that uh, how is it that we know each other? Well, our good friend Adam here helps us with our marketing, so that's how we've met. Yeah. And through a few marketing conversations, I learned that this guy was a pretty intelligent guy, very ambitious, and felt like we shared a lot of the a lot of similar traits. Uh, so I think we get along very well. Yeah, so, so we uh, maintained if, our relationship. If I remember correctly, it was, I think you guys, so you uh, and, and your other co-founder, you guys reached out to me before you had even moved to Vancouver. That's so right. you were like, we got this idea, we're going to do it, um, and we need somebody to look after some of the marketing. And so what I, where I kind of want to start is I wanted to start, I wanted to sort of back up to that. Like what what was... I don't, I don't know anybody. I can't think of a single person who just said, I'm going to move across the country and I'm going to start a company. I know people who started companies out of, you know, their parents' house or they've started companies um, while they had a, a full-time job. They did it on the side. But you, right. sir, said, I'm going to move across the fucking country yeah. and I'm going to start a business. I have not started a business before. That's, that's correct, right? That's right. 
and we'll see, let's see how it goes. I want to help me understand how you had the balls to do that, the courage, the audacity <laughs> to do that. What could I, it just blows my mind. Start there. <laughs> to be honest, uh, short answer, I had nothing to lose. You know, um, I was young, uh, yeah. 25. Um, I don't know, I had $1,000 in my name at the time. So literally had nothing to lose. Like worst case scenario, I'll lose $1,000 yeah. and I'll move back to Ottawa. So, I mean, for me, that was, the upside was uh, uh, limitless. Yeah. And the downside wasn't really that bad. I'm 25, even if I go bankrupt, I'll be up in my feet again in two years. Not, so it wasn't really that big of a factor for me. The, the, um, the fear factor wasn't there. Um, I was already pretty accustomed to uh, kind of being on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never doubted that we would not be successful, which was the other thing. So there was never that doubt that, oh, we might fail, we will fail. What if we failed? That was never really a discussion that we had. Um, and it was more about how we're going to make it work. And I think mind state has a lot to do with that. Just the, the fact you know you're going to be successful before you achieve success, I think is critical in your decision-making process. Because if you make decisions out of fear, then you make bad decisions and um, emotional decisions. But if you make them out of fact and confidence in yourself, knowing that you're going to achieve what you set out to achieve, then I really believe that you can basically do anything. There's always limitations. You yeah. know, you're not just gonna, oh, I'm gonna, you know, open up a $10 million company tomorrow and boom, it happens. It's a lot of action and steps that need to take place. Uh, but first, the first thing you need to do is believe in yourself and um, things fall into place. Where do you think that comes from? Like, where do you think that, that confidence or that belief in yourself comes from? Um, it's a good question. Um, so I've always, um, I've always been in sales. Sales yeah. has always been my area of expertise and I've always been successful at sales. Um, so I think that's kind of, that's kind of how I've developed that sense of confidence was knowing that I can produce results from nothing. Sell. I knew I could sell. And I've been in different sales positions where I'd come in as a in an entry-level position, mm-hmm. and within a few months, I'm, I'm t- teaching and training other people about how to sell, how to communicate. I've always been fascinated with the human mentality and how people um, absorb information and how they understand things and how they react to things. Um, so I've, been, uh, I've always been very good at body language and reading people's um, emotional reactions to some of the things you say. So that's, I think, how I've really harnessed my sales skills. I mean, my first job was selling chocolates door-to-door. You know, at the age of 12. So, kind of breaks you in a little bit. It you're, does. You're, you get used to that sort of projection. Absolutely. You know, so maybe and that's what people should do. They should just go sell some, <laughs> some I, guy cookies or something. I recommend that to everybody. Yeah. Everybody should experience constant rejection at some point in their life, ideally at a young age. Yeah. So that way they can learn that it's not the end of the world. There's always the next door, which in life is the next opportunity. Right, so just because one door sh- shuts doesn't mean another door can't open. Yeah, and that's I mean that's something that I've I've learned at a young age, and I was very, uh, and I was again I was I was very good at what I did. You know, I was one of the top sales uh, sales kids of of, uh, of, uh, of the, the company chocolates. of the chocolates. <laughs> 
so, so that was good. I learned at a young age that, okay, if one person says no, they're not all going to say no. So I just went on to the next one. It's a numbers game. Numbers game. Started, numbers started, and a confidence oh, game, I suppose. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And being able to you know, convince people to buy chocolates off of you. Do you think um, when I started my business, it was, it was kind of do or die a little bit? I mean, I did have, I could have fallen back on you know, my parents and um, moved back home or something like that. But I did sort of a clean break. I said, I, I, I quit my job and I went straight into it. Right. And I didn't, I didn't have a reserve of money. I think I was even in debt at the time and I didn't have any special skills or anything like that. Right. Would you, if you were to go back six years to when, you know, when you, when you were thinking about this and moving to, and, and planning to move to Vancouver, mm -hmm. would you have done it the same way? Sort of just, do, do you think, I guess the question is, do you think, uh, and maybe it just depends on the person, but do you think um, one has more success when they do a clean break like that, when they 100%. don't have any, any? I guess they don't have a, um, a safety, safety net, net kind of thing. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. So why, why do you think that? So the reason I think that is because you're forced to take action yeah. and you're forced to get results. If no, you have is that a, out of fear, though? Uh, is it, it is, yes, because you've got nothing to fall back on. And yeah. you know that if you, don't, if you don't get this deal, you don't eat tomorrow. Mm -hmm. you know? So there's a, there's a direct cause and effect there, right? Where if, if, you, if you act hungry, but then you know you've got a, a fridge full of food, yeah. you go and you're like, ah, I'm done for the day. I go back to my fridge. I got a lot of food to eat. You, know, you lose that hunger. You lose that passion. You lose that drive. And a lot of business, a lot of what business is, is momentum, right? So you get one thing going, the ball starts rolling, and it creates another opportunity, and you go and you tackle that, and you got to keep going. But if you have something that you fall back on, I find, and I have a lot of friends that, um, you know, try to start businesses, but, you know, not 100 committed, 100% committed. They had other things, and they had other engagements, and, you know, they were comfortable in where they lived. And, you know, businesses didn't succeed, or if they succeeded, and I mean, I get that all... It's all relative to you know what sure. what the person's definition of success is. But yeah. for me, um, you know, it's 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 got to be I don't know personally for me it's got to be substantial. Like you know, I've always measured business in um, in monetary funds. Yeah. You know, a you're successful if you hit this for me anyways. Yeah. If I hit this milestone, you know, we've we've achieved our goals. You know, if I hit this milestone, we achieve our goal. And it's it's always monetary driven because it's a business. Yeah. You know, you don't. You don't capitalize off hugs, <laughs> right? So, so we, um, so I've always had that. But I know that if you do have a safety net, I think that can takes we quote a little that? bit away. You don't capitalize on hugs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get emotional, uh, fulfill your emotional needs, but can't pay the bills. Did you have any um, any schooling at all that sort of um, helped you helped you as an entrepreneur? Is there any sort of schooling? Not only as an entrepreneur, but as somebody who runs a, um, a design and build general contracting custom home building firm, was there any school? Well, we have an ongoing joke that, you know, all of the guys that we started with, we all got PhDs in the school of hard knocks. Yes. Right. So, <laughs> so we've all, we've all have, we all have thick skin and, you know, we've gone through a lot. Yeah. Um, but the reality is I do have schooling. I took uh, civil engineering in school. Yeah. Um, before I uh, engaged in, in this Ottawa? endeavor. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a tremendous help because it gave me 
a fundamental base to build off of. Uh, I always knew I was going to get into construction, so it wasn't like I accidentally got into this industry. Uh, it's something that I actively pursued. Yeah. Um, but I've always knew that I had to marry the um, education with my skill sets, and my skill sets were, you know, sales and and marketing is is what I did really well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, created a, a company that you know highlighted those, and we hired people that had the skills that I didn't have. Gotcha. The um... The entrepreneur thing. So you were you were doing civil and en- you were doing civil engineering. Was that to get a job in civil engineering, or was this entrepreneur thing something that you always saw in your future, um, or did it just? What, when did it happen, and how did it happen? I think I always had it in me. Yeah, I've always I've always wanted to, you know, be in business. I've always fascinated by business. I yeah. always enjoyed business, talking about it, you know, learning about it. Um, but I went into construction um, for, well, I went to school for twofold. A, uh, make my parents proud, right? So that way they're happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I also did always tell myself that if I was going to go to school for anything, it would be for something that would make me, that would be a prerequisite for certain industries. Yeah. So. You know, I didn't want to be like a statistic where, you know, you have 80% of, you know, university graduates work in different fields than what they studied. To me, that's, that's kind of a waste. I wanted to study something I knew I was going to pursue. Um, and I've always had a passion for construction at a very yeah. young age. So. so you had a lot of intent going into that. Yes. And I'm, I'm glad you, you said that because I'm, I strongly believe that a lot of the results you get and the, the challenges you encounter through running a business or in life uh, has a lot to do with your intent. What is my intent? What is my goal? What is my purpose? You know, what am I here to do? Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of times you ask people and they'll tell you, yeah, you don't want to do this. And then you ask them, you know, a few weeks later or a month or a couple months later and that changes. So they don't have a clear intent of where it is they want to go and what it is that they want to do. And I find that is something that deviates you off your path. What's your intent? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, you ask other people, I got to put you on the spot now. Sorry, buddy. (laughs) All right. So um, he looks like Drake. A little bit. He looks a little bit. bit. The more I look at him, the more I see Drake. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) So what what is my intent? Your intent. My intent. Okay. So my my life goal Mm -hmm. at a young age, age was always to build towers okay so to be towers. a developer then? yes okay developers or, and build towers yeah. right be involved in it to build them ideally would have my own tower with you know my name yeah um, Katir tower k towers k towers he's even thought of it yeah, yeah. so <laughs> uh so that's that's my ultimate goal yeah right what is my intent right now my intent right now is to grow our business to you know, a specific revenue per year mm-hmm. where we can generate funds to invest into other endeavors. Yeah. And that, that's what's gonna allow us to start pursuing that. Um, you know, and there's a couple of other like, business goals that we have and they're very specific. Like we wanna open a, a commercial division, mm-hmm. but a lot of that stems- a commercial building division. Yeah. 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 Uh, with residential, it's you 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 reach a certain level, and then 
now we have resources that we can kind of piggyback off of yeah. and utilize to open a You've different got the division. Infrastructure. Exactly. Now we have we can have two different revenue streams coming in from two different businesses. Makes sense. Um, just to kind of again get us closer to that goal. But with the commercial division, that's gonna get us closer to actually building, you know, infrastructure, buildings, towers, right? And that's gonna get us closer to being able to build our own towers. Right. So I mean there's the intent right now for the business is different than my ultimate goal, right? So it's got to be, it's got to be relative, but it's got to, it's got to be somehow connected. Was right? the custom homes, like building custom homes, was that sort of the, the height of, for you is kind of like the height of residential is building like these beautiful custom homes, sort of the, the height of residential and the height of um, commercial is building these big, you know, gigantic, beautiful luxury towers? Yes. Yes, so there's there's always a ceiling to residential construction. You yeah. you know you can't build like you know you, you can't build these ultra luxurious homes. Sure. But for the most part, there's a handful of people that do that, and they specialize at that, and they yeah. really only do one or two very very high end builds. And a lot of those guys per tend year to, or per year. Yeah. Um, and a lot of those guys tend to be more focused on, um, uh, and, and they do that through the development. Uh, road not so much for consumers um, so generally you have you have funds to back that up um, but like serious funds yeah serious funds to back yeah. that up you know you probably need a couple million dollars just, just to sitting kind of in get the a, bank kind yeah because yeah. it's, it's a long process right sure. um, but again that wasn't a position that we were in you know and like the intent with VGC was to be able to resolve the issue of having people you know get screwed out of money um, you know get shoddy workmanship mm-hmm. uh, or just experience an overall extremely frustrating and stressful process when it comes to renovating yeah right so there was really two classes there was your super high luxury and then it was your you know um joe and bill you know working out of their truck and that was really the only option so we've created our company to kind of be that middle ground that accommodates the 80 percent of the population 80 percent of the people are going to be able to afford our services and get a professionally done renovation, get something that you know they can stand behind, that they're happy about, yeah. a more enjoyable process, and that's without really any of the hassle. without any of so the hassle. Sort of cliche. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, and just be like a, a full one-stop solution for for our end users, which is our clients. How did you get the? You know, I, I understand a little bit of the sort of commercial. Um, development side of things because mm-hmm. my stepfather has um, built some built some condos in his day so I understand sort of the risk um, and sometimes lack of reward that yeah. follows that yeah. or is invo- involved in that and I think about sort of the, um, the custom home side of things and right. that's that's a pretty big gamble on its own it's a, it's a, it's a big in my mind, anyways, from my very small understanding of, of these things, it's a big leap from to go from um, uh, from doing like home additions and custom uh, kitchens and and basements and stuff like that, which you know can probably you know range up to say like a hundred hundred grand typically type thing, maybe hundred two hundred grand mm-hmm. to going and building a, a million dollar plus home. Mm-hmm. What and I, again. One of, one of the things that just blows my mind about you is, is, is your conviction and your, and your confidence that you can go, like I said, from Ottawa to Vancouver and just make it happen. You can go from, from doing kitchens and basements and build a, you know, a goddamn custom home. Yeah. How, how did you, how, 
for, for somebody who's maybe, I don't know, maybe doesn't quite have that level of confidence, how would you describe that to somebody? How the hell did you do that? How did you, like in your mind, take that kind of risk? Well, Richard Branson said, you know, never turn down an opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, someone presents with an opportunity, say, yes, I can do yes. it. Um, and the reality is, again, it's different for everybody, right? Like if you were to ask me to go ahead and start a marketing company tomorrow, I'd be like, oh, I don't really know. I don't know much Dude, about it. I think you would do just fine. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> you do a better job than me. But the, the, the thing is, is like I have that, that background and the reality is building a new home Yes, the dollar values are bigger, but the complexities is lower. Right? It's, yeah, it's easier to build a custom home. You're working from scratch. You're working with a blank canvas. Ah, right? You're doing a, a renovation point. in addition. There's a lot of moving parts there because you're dealing and you're making a lot of assumptions of, you know, we think that this is here and this yeah. is here. So you're planning and you're doing all of that. But then you start the project and, you know, things aren't exactly the way you assume them mm. to be because it's non-typical construction. Yes. You're like, what's going on here? Why did, why did he yeah, do this? Yeah. Um, so you've got Probably a, mo- a lot. Work, exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot more variables there to deal with, whereas new construction, it's, e- it's easier starting from scratch. You build the foundation and step by step, you know, and as long as you know construction, it's not, it's not rocket science. Do you find that um, with something like that being very financially intelligent, especially when it comes to cash flow is important? Very, very. And what, I'm, as somebody who's quite poor at that, I'm just, I'm not strong financially mm-hmm. or strong um, at managing cash flow and things like that. What would you recommend I do to get better? <laughs> <laughs> watch it closely. Yeah, so just watch it like just a hawk. Just watch it like a hawk, you know. Um, there's gonna have, you know, high months and low months. Um, but the important thing is that you know, okay, what's coming in, what's going out, um, and you know, what are some projected sales in the next few months? What are some reoccurring revenues that are happening? And you want to make decisions that aren't going to be detrimental to your financial state as a company. When you say watch it like a hawk, are you talking like daily or like how often you can, did you find it yourself? All, it all depends. I mean, it all depends on uh, how, how large your company is and how much yeah. money is moving. You know, if like you're moving around, you know, a couple of thousand dollars uh, a week and you've got, you know, 20,000, it's not that big of a deal. Like you don't have to be every day watching it. Um, but when I say watch it like a hawk, just know where your expenses are, what your revenues are. Um, you know, and what your receivables are going to be like for the next, you know, 30, 60, 90 days, because that's usually the window of when things need to get done and action needs to be taken. Um, and just make sure that you have a plan moving forward that's going to a, any action you take now is supposed to increase revenue later, right? So if I'm spending money, I better be spending a dollar to make two. I'm not just spending a dollar to make a dollar, then what am I investing it in? Where do you think most people fail when it comes to cash flow? Um, I dig in. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'll tell you the reality. So I can. I can tell you a lot about my industry. It's hard for me to speak about other industries, but I know about my industry is that um, a lot of guys tend to bite off more than they can chew and take on too much. You mean like a custom home? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, like a custom home, and then uh, and then just not have the funds or reserves to be able to um, sustain mm-hmm. that pro- level of productivity. Yeah. And then they eventually get to a situation where they hit a wall and they've actually spent more money than they've received. 
and they're broke. Yeah. And then they can't progress even if they wanted to. And then they've got to generally go back to the client and say, hey, we need more money. And that in turn is where that problem lies in the construction industry is yeah. people going back because, you know, they spread themselves too thin. You know, they take on all these jobs, um, you know, and they don't realize what their cash flow is going to be like. And they think, well, I just signed, you know, um, $500,000. You know, I'm going to make a lot of money. But, you know, $500,000, you're not getting it tomorrow. You know, you're getting it in six months, seven, eight, yeah, nine chunks. months. Yeah. So you've got to be able to produce to get paid. You need backing. Really? You, need, you don't oh, get like a, like a um, something to start with kind of you, thing? It depends. It depends on your agreement. Yeah. You know, I would say most guys don't really get that much up front. Um, right. And then they they don't take that into consideration. And then they just end up doing and then running out of money. Um, so I think that's that's one of the big things. Um, as Probably well, spending a little bit of time understanding contracts yes. is not a bad call. A hundred percent. It's very, yeah. very important. Um, and at the at the same time, I find that uh, a lot of people um, get a little bit of money and they feel like it's a lot of money, but it's not. And then they become very, you know, uh, loosey goosey with you know what they what they start like buying that. and they start spending money here yeah, yeah. babe we're gonna go on a vacation yes. you know like knock on wood you know we're pretty good um but you know would i ever just tell you know my fiance hey we're going on a vacation tomorrow that's never gonna happen right because <laughs> that's not the type of person i am i'm like oh my god i gotta focus on this and we yes, got work yes, over yes. here and we got this and that we can't just be spending money we don't have that kind of money yeah regardless of where we are financially um because my goals are so ambitious i know that i need every penny you know to be able to achieve that because we want to be able to you know uh spread our reach but you know you can only reach as far as your cash flow yeah, allows yeah, you yeah. so if you don't have cash flow then you don't have reach and if you don't have reach you don't have growth i love that you still have this this sort of um mindset you know even after as much success as you as you've had and and as many years of, as you've been doing it, I mean, six years is six, seven years is relatively a short period of time, but it's also a good bit of time. Like yeah. a lot of, and frankly, this is probably where a lot of people, why a lot of people don't make it to five years is they get that money and then they start really complacent. enjoying it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we made it. We did it. But yeah. you know, it's, start it's buying nice cars. Yeah, exactly. You know, like I, like I, I drove my Camry that I bought here the day first day I moved here. Yeah. You know, and bought a cheap car just to be able to get around something reliable. I don't really care what you know my perception is. If yeah. These guys, you know, balling or not, I don't really care. You know, because the people that generally think like that are generally not successful, right? Like watch, watch the way. Warren Buffett and Bill Gates dress like and then watch all some of these I'm, new money guys I'm pretty sure what's his name um Bill Gates has some pretty big fucking yachts though yeah but that's that's different right well he's well, these guys one of the richest men in the world like <laughs> let the man enjoy it enjoy the fruits of your labor understood right but don't don't just be frivolous about it, or don't be um frivolous about it and just yeah. kind of spend just because you think you have but then it's detrimental to your business and then, yeah, you've got a nice car, but now you have no business and then you can't afford these payments and now you lost it all. One thing that um, it took me a long time to learn is you pay, you, 
you don't take money out of your company. You you pay yourself a paycheck, and that's what you get. That's right. You don't, um, you know, take it as you need it. There must be some some hard rules there. Absolutely, there's got to be structure to and there's got to be discipline. Need. And then that's what you pay yourself. Yes. What do you need to live on? Yeah. And that's what you pay yourself with. Everything else stays in the company. Yes. Because you never know when, when you're going to When it's going to rain. It. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, in business, especially if you're always looking to grow, mm-hmm. it tends to rain a lot. Yes. Because you're constantly it's making decisions. Peaks and valleys. Exactly. You're constantly making these decisions and you don't necessarily know, you know, what works and what doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of trial and error. So, yeah. you know, let's try this. Okay, ah, that didn't quite work. We got to tweak this. Let's try that. Let's try this. Um, so there's a lot of trial and error, and you know you need, again, you need cash to sustain, to be able to make it through those, you know, laps of judgment calls. Because you're yeah. not gonna make a, a perfect decision every day. Uh, you're gonna make mistakes. It's inevitable. You know, the most successful guys, I know, make mistakes. And to be honest, I've learned more from my mistakes than from my successes. You know, it's, I think it's more valuable to know what you should not do or why did this not work well than, oh, great, we're successful. This worked really well. Let's just, dr- let's just do this because once, if it worked once, it doesn't mean it's going to work again, right? But, it fi- but if it failed once, it means it will fail again. How do you learn from your mistakes? Do you have a particular um, uh, way of going about it? Because a lot of people, they make mistakes and they just move on. And they forget about that mistake they made. They might not make that same mistake again, yeah. but they don't understand why they made that mistake in, right. the, in the first place and why it's a mistake. Right. Do you have any, are you strict about it or do you have any process or anything? I have a process. Sure. I have a process. Um, so one, th- one characteristic of people I enjoy is um, somebody who's able to be um, critical of themselves, mm-hmm. right? And, and reflect and identify, you know, strengths and weaknesses in themselves. So like a lot of times when I interview people, I ask them, you know, um, you know, what are your weaknesses? You know, which I forget who I spoke to. I think it might have been you who said that, oh, try asking, oh, somebody else, who started, my buddy, he said, well, ask them, you know, um, what can you improve on? But I mean, the verbiage is a little bit different. But the reason I asked that question is because I want to know that I can bring somebody on board who's going to be able to identify what they're not good at so they can work on it, right? And how do you do that? You do that by reflecting, right? So you go through an experience and then you sit back and you reflect, okay, like how did this experience go? And everybody's different. This is the way I do it. You know, I, I, I play this back in my head. How did that go? You know, um, do you keep a journal or anything like that? I don't, you know, I don't, I don't keep a journal. Okay. I just kind of do things in my head. Yeah. Um, how did that go? Why did it go like this? Um, and also a firm believer that you control your environment, you know, so if you're upset, I had something to do with it, if it's in my presence, you know what I mean? Sometimes yes, sometimes no, but there's always an impact, so I can change the way how upset you are, it'll make you happier. So you're you're always um, affecting your environment. So I'd always look back and say, okay, well, how did I say this to somebody? Did they, how did they perceive it? It's a completely different animal. Right, because I could say something and think like, "Oh, I, you know, communicated, I communicated so well," and then that person's perception was like, "Oh my God, this guy's being such an asshole," right? And I'm like, "Oh, I thought I was being very, very straight and direct and thorough," but the perception is different, and everybody's 
perception of what you say or do changes. So a lot of times I just like play things back. You know, I think about, okay. Um, and then a lot of times for business, like this is personal engagements, that's how I do it. But for business, I just, you know, men lie, women lie, numbers don't. So you sit back and you look at the numbers and you say, okay, well, this is what we initially budgeted. This is what we spent. This is how much we made. Okay, well, yeah. we need to change this. We need to up this. And there's a lot of that constant um, uh, uh, cycle and process of improvement. So you've always got to go back and tweak and adjust and keep moving forward, take think something back and tweak and adjust and move forward. Right? So you've always got to learn from those. Do you, um, do you inspire the same in, in, in the people that work for you? Like, do you, do you have a... One of the things that I've been working on a lot is... By working on my own personal development, mm -hmm. whether it's you know reading books and taking action or whatever, what what have you, I've noticed it started to kind of rub off on folks. I've noticed some of the people around me are more concerned about their personal development. They're more concerned about leveling up, so they're picking up books. They're they're chatting with me and asking me what did I get out of this book versus right. like what did they get out of this book and things like that. And I'm wondering if that sort of um, we were talking about there, uh, about sort of self-assessing, auditing yourself, I suppose, right. and auditing the mistakes you, you right. make. Is that, have you found a, a good way, I would love if, if everybody on my team did that as well as, as you do. Is there any way that you found to inspire your employees to do the same, or do you just hire people that do that? I tend to hire people that do that. Yeah. Um, you know, I read, uh, and I made a lot of mistakes with hiring people. And I think that was that's that was one of my biggest weaknesses, and still is a weakness Why? I still have, um, because I'm a I'm a producer. I get results. Yeah. By any means necessary. You know, if I need to eat, I will eat. Right. Um, if something needs to get done, I will get it done. And I know that in myself. I will just make shit happen. Yeah. Right. Um, not everybody has that same type of mentality right so a lot of people need direction need um, guidance or procrastinate or procrastinate sure. myself i've always i've always like i've, I've strived on results you know get i want to get the now. result i want to get it done i want to get yeah. these results in um so like that was something that for me was a natural thing from a young age yeah um so when i was hiring people i would just hire people that i thought were just you know the right person for the role um and I didn't hire the best people for specific roles. Why? I, I just, I had lack of experience, mm -hmm. right? Lack of experience, lack of management skills, um, and lack of HR process. I just didn't have a process. I just get a resume, look, great, this guy looks good, come in for an interview, say the right things to me, right? Because, hey, tell me what I want to hear, you're hired. Yeah. It's basically as easy as that. You know, now I've changed my HR process completely. You know, now I have very rigorous screening. I ask like six pages of questions, you know, and then I give people an assignment. A you little come, mini project. A little mini project. Yes. You know, you come, totally you interview. Agree with that. If you succeed in the interview, you have an opportunity to do this assignment. And that one thing, adding that assignment has changed my, my hiring process completely, right? Because there would be guys that I'm like, oh, I can't wait for them to get the assignment yeah, back yeah, yeah. and they're going to be amazing. And sure enough, they don't do it. They half-ass it, you know, or it's late, or they start giving you excuses. Can I get that? And then it's like, whoa, red, red flags right away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. 
but we're gonna go in a different direction right off the bat. Like I don't, and I give people tight timelines. You know what I mean? So yeah. if somebody, if I, if I think something's gonna take somebody, you know, three four days, I'll say, yeah, you got two days to do it, because you want this job. Yeah. Like you know, you coming because you want this, right? What's gonna happen when you already have it? Mm -hmm. I'm probably not gonna work as hard because it's already there. It's already secure. Um, so the people that are generally just hard workers will meet that timeline and they'll do a really good job at it. The people that tend not to will half-ass it. And then you can see it in the quality of their assignment or their project. So that has really changed the way I hire people. And I've found that since I've done that, I've actually had to spend less time managing people as opposed to leading people. Right? This is what we want to do. These are our goals. These are our missions. This is how we want to help people. And having the right people on the bus, from my, that great book that I read, um, it doesn't matter where the bus is going. The right people will get it there. Wrong people won't even make it to your first destination, let, a, let alone the, the reroute. Right of where oh now we're changing direction changing direction I don't like this direction I'm off this bus yeah you know and that's not that it's very hard to grow a business with that type of a mentality of the people on your team who would you say or how would you describe your management style ah it's a good question I've been asked this before I don't know I don't know um, I I'm a listener mm -hmm. so I definitely listen to my team. Um, I manage people by serving people. So in my early years, it's gonna make me sound real bad, real bad. Yeah, well, I want to. I want to hear the, the okay. contrast of how you've so in how my, you've developed as a manager. So in my early years, I would expect people to listen to me. Mm -hmm. I would expect people to do their work. Mm -hmm. You have a job, get it done. This is what you get paid for. Yeah, just shut up and do it. So you expect people to work at your level. Yeah. Yeah. Right? But I expected them not to complain. Mm -hmm. The hell are you complaining about? You're getting paid. Shut up and do it. That was my mentality yeah. back in the day. And I lost good people. You know, I had good people and I lost them. And, you know, I had not so good people and I lost them. Why do you think that was your mentality? Because uh, I was immature. I lacked yeah. experience. But is it something you observed elsewhere or... Because it take like I, I, it it takes a certain. I'm an aggressive. Of, I'm an aggressive person. Maybe that's yeah. I'm an aggressive person. Um, so my mannerisms is I'm just I'm very ag aggressive, like by very nature. Very matter of fact. Very matter of fact. Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't. Um, you know what you want and. Yeah, and you know I don't like to beat around the bush. You know I don't like to talk in circles. I like mm -hmm. to be very direct, very upfront. This is what I expect. This is what's gonna happen. Yeah. Um, and I found that you know what it's it's it might work for one or two people that will. You know, just shut up and listen. Yeah. But you know, I didn't want those people. Because those people that would just shut up and listen, it's kind of like a, a dictatorship type of a mentality where they're just soldiers. They yeah. can't think for themselves. Leader follower. Leader follower, right? And I don't want that. I don't want to have to micromanage every single little thing and then show this. You need to take one step now. Now yeah. you take a step. And that's basically that, that, that management style that I had um, bred that, right? general soldier, right? Um, which is not a fun environment to work in, A. You know, I had constant, constant anxiety. I was constantly stressed out regardless, yeah. right? Um, and then once I started changing my, my style 
and was started. Was there a particular catalyst or? Yeah, I read the book, um, Good to Great, right? And there it is. I just to have it right there. Changed Beautiful. my life. Changed Here's my another life. another one. Um, this, this talks about turning uh, uh, followers into leaders and creating that sort of leader-leader mindset in your organization. Right. It's called Turn That Ship Around. Or Which Turn probably the gonna Ship be Around. probably going to be the next book I read. I recommend it. Um, so I changed that, and then I started to realize, okay, A, I need to get the right people. Yeah. And then B, I need to, um, I really need to empower them and nurture you don't even need their skills. Book. You're already on that level. <laughs> and then nurture their skills. Yeah. Because in doing so, people will feel empowered. And then they'll feel like my boss not only likes me, he trusts me, and I know he'll support me. How do you, uh, how do you make them feel? How do you make the people you work with feel empowered? Like, how, do you have any particular. Is it just through trust or through trust, you know? And I and I and I tell them like, listen, I don't mind if you make a mistake. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I would rather you take action and make a mistake than not take so any they action. They feel safe. They feel safe. You know, take take a step. You know, make make a decision. If it's not right, it's okay. I'll deal with those repercussions. Mm -hmm. It's not going to come back on you. I've allowed you that flexibility and that freedom to make that decision. So if you make a bad decision or a wrong decision, that's my fault. And do you find you know mistakes do happen when they do happen? Um, you find they're all that bad? It's never that bad. Yeah. It's never that bad. It's never as bad as you think. It's never as bad as you think. You know, the, the bad's never as bad. It's terrible when it first happens, but once you get past it a little bit, eh, yeah. you know, you live and you learn, mm -hmm. and then you get past it and you move on. So it's not, you know, and, and, I, don't, and I don't put critical decisions, you know, in people I don't think can make those decisions yes. yet, right? So you got to... A, empower people to make decisions, but you also have to have the right people making the right decisions, right? So like an entry-level person isn't, you know, making decisions on our financials, right? Um, so again, having the right people, knowing whose strengths are what, and then nurturing them and building an environment for them to really be able to excel. I want to um, kind of switch gears a little bit and talk about something you and I had talked about a little bit, and kind mm -hmm. of a serious subject, I guess, or at least it's it's one that, um, that I think a lot about and have thought a lot about over the years is sort of this um, uh, isolationism. I don't know <laughs> if that's a word. You know, kind of like yeah, you, I hear you. Uh, isolating yourself or entrepreneurs tend to isolate themselves um, often for totally the wrong reasons. Yeah. Usually, um, or at least in my experience and from those I've talked to because a lot of times they don't um, surround themselves with with people. Maybe you know. A lot of times, you know, especially when you're young, you come out of out of school, and the people that you went to school with are not necessarily going to be um, folks that can sort of help or support or really understand where you're coming from because you're going right. into a very different, um, uh, taking a very different path than they right. do, and so you know, all of a sudden you have you know, that many fewer friends that you can really, you know, kind of connect and, and yeah. get not only an ear. An ear is important, but I don't want just an ear. I want... Dialogue, back and forth. Exactly. Stimulate me. I want to hear your stories, yeah. right? And so there's that, and there's, then there's stuff like, um, you know, you, you don't want to fail, obviously. Men in general, just people in general, but especially men mm -hmm. do not want to fail. No. There's that... 
I don't know, there's, there's that masculinity. There's that, the that ego. Whatever. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So we don't, you know, when, our, when we're struggling, we don't tell our friends. Nope. When we're struggling, we don't tell our family. Yeah. When we're struggling, we don't tell, you know, the people that work for us, if we have people that work for us. Mm-hmm. And so all that shit is just, it's in here. And, and it's it just replays. bouncing. Boom, 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 yeah, boom, boom, Back boom, and forth. Right? And it's crippling. Yeah. I know that's something that, um, that, that you've struggled with uh, yeah. a little bit over the years. And I... You, you're very lucky you have Sarin, um, your buddy whom I, whom I spoke with, yeah. uh, who's taken a similar path to you. Yeah. How have you managed to, I guess, uh, I mean, you've, you've struggled with it a little bit, but where have, you found, where have you found balance? How have you found balance? How have you sort of gotten away from that sort of isolationism mentality, if that makes sense? It does. Just tell and me anything about it. I just want to. <laughs> I just want to hear your experiences. So again, like like what you just said, you know, you're right. You 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 know, you're constantly like bouncing these ideas and these thoughts and back and forth and back and forth. And you know, no, you know this. When you're in a business, you deal with so many different things in one day. You know that you're constantly like kind of playing out and I have this coming up and how is this going to happen? And, you know, I've got this issue here and that yeah. issue there. You know, and then. And then you, your, your mind is working. And then I find like whenever I'm in like in a social environment with people that aren't like-minded, they, they talk about, you know, people and things and events, you know, whereas like me, I like to talk about like, uh, you know, like ideas and, you know, important things in the world and in the news that like, you know, that matter and that like will directly impact your life. You know, I don't really care what Joe did last weekend. Did you hear about Stacy and Joe and they're not? Together? I don't care. You know, like how is that going to change my life? It doesn't. Yeah. So I found myself just not being interested in those types of social environments. Yeah. And and backing away. And from backing a lot of away. Those relationships. And, and yeah, and yeah. like subconsciously, I would just not engage. I would not go out. Yeah. You know, they're all like, "Oh, we're gonna go out for drinks." Yeah, great. I don't really want to do that. You know. Um, until I find myself surrounding myself with more like-minded people where we're sitting there, we're talking about ideas and I'll spend yeah. three hours and I'll go by like five minutes. I'm like, it's three hours already? Oh my God. Like, you know, let's do this again. And it's exciting and it's stimulating and it's enjoyable. And I think that's where you need to, that's what you need to do to get out of that isolation type phase as an entrepreneur. Because the reality is not a lot of people experience what you experience on a daily basis not a lot of people understand the emotional toll that uh, uh, being an entrepreneur uh, has especially when you have other people that you're responsible for to eat right like if you fail it's not just you yeah you know like if i fail it's okay whatever i'll be fine but i have 19 other people that are depending on a paycheck you know, that's that's a lot of pressure. That's Them all. and their families. And their well. families. So like 19, as, let's just say they all have one one person. And that's, yeah. you know, that's 38 people. And, and I mean, logically, it's like, well, yeah, they will, you know, you'll, you'll give them two, you'll give them two weeks or you'll give them, um, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, I forgot what they call it. Yeah, uh, but the know. reality is that but, doesn't even cross my mind. that's not it, right? That's it's, not it. It doesn't cross my mind. Logically, it's not like, they oh, will okay, find we can just job, shut down. Be fine. But yeah. it's, it's still, it's on you. Exactly. Because, hey, like, like you said, you know, don't want to fail. Yeah. You know, and not only now do I not only want to fail myself or the business, but I've developed this emotional connection with these people. 
You know, I don't want to fail them. Yeah. Right? And that's where it comes back to like my job is to serve my staff. I've got to make good decisions to ensure that my team is looked after at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. You know, because my success and the company's success is my team's success. You know, and it's like a reciprocal cycle. So, so how just have kinda, you... Um... That isolationist mentality, how have you made strides, I suppose? If you've made strides, maybe it's still something that... that, that... It's still a struggle. It's still a yeah. challenge. I mean, I don't think it's something that um, you just overcome, Yeah. right? Um, especially, like, especially in my situation where I moved here from my hometown of Ottawa, my network, my family, everybody's still there. Yeah. Um, so I moved here not knowing anybody, right? And I spent the first six years like just working on this business you know and that's my main priority it wasn't going out it was working on this business you know and building this business up and that's all that's really been that's been the most important factor you know and then I met this you know amazing woman you know and I think that's a big big part of it too who has a like-minded shares a lot of the the same type of uh, mentality and idea that I have uh, she's an entrepreneur. You know, we're getting married in a few months. Um, and I think, thank you. And I think she's a big part of, you know, me keeping my sanity. Yeah. You know, because I could come and talk to her about, you know, work and this and that, you know. And, you know, she's also an entrepreneur and she has her own business. So, you know, she understands a lot of, a lot of that stuff. Um, some things she doesn't understand, but she sits and she listens, you know, yeah. and tries to give me her feedback. And just gives me that, like, unconditional support which I think is, is very, very important. So I think like really to ex- escape that isolation for me anyways, like family is very important. You know, you need to have that like strong, so strong roots of, you know, something yeah. that you've, you've put together. And then you have that to know what, well, you know, this family's coming back, you know, um, and also surround yourself with like-minded people, you know, people that can challenge you, people that can push you, people that can, you know, um, have you question the way you think, you know, because that, that alone can completely change your mentality. You know, when somebody throws out an idea that you're like, huh, I never even thought of that. You know, like I have a buddy of mine, um, you know, older gentleman, he's actually just retired, but yeah. more like... We're bonding like better and better every time we, we meet, um, you know, but it's like we just sit there and we challenge each other's, you know, way of thinking and, you know, of, of doing this or doing that or looking at things a certain way. And then, you know, and then thinking about, OK, well, what are the pros and what are the cons of doing this or doing that? So that to me, I find very enjoyable. Right. And that has taken me away from that sense of isolation because now I feel like I have that family and then I have those those friends that I can yeah. you know um, talk to and dialogue with and really kind of get ideas back and forth that kind of pull you away from that but do you, you find know, basketball does that? I know you play basketball I like sports I like yeah. sports I find being active in general just yeah. you know is good for the body right so um, and at the same time basketball in particular I like because it's camaraderie yes. you're not alone you know I you're working with that. a team and you're battling another team, <laughs> and I love competition. Yes. And if you put me in a in a competitive environment with a team, I will just inherently want to like step up and start to lead yeah. because I just I I love competition. I love to win. That's you been know? one of the biggest things 
for me in the last year and a bit is is starting jujitsu and and getting to experience again that that type of camaraderie that yeah. I hadn't really experienced since um, since like high school rugby yeah. and I missed that I didn't know how much I missed it until until I experienced yeah, it again exactly. and it's like I mean it's kind of I think I would I, w- I would even have a, a bigger dose of it if I was doing something like rugby like basketball like yeah. soccer where it's I think I think uh, jujitsu for example can be kind of um, sort of a, not, not, it's not really a team sport per right. se, so you don't quite get that. But it's just being around, other being people. around of other people, another group of people who just are there to have fun and get some exercise yeah. and learn and 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 generally have the same interests as you. Because if yeah. you're there with jujitsu, you have that commonality, sure. you have that common ground. Yeah, right. Like to me, one that was one of the challenges of, of like meeting people was like. I would always resort back to talking about business and work, you know, and, and I couldn't, and I had a hard time finding those commonalities, yeah. you know, and then I would, and then my next topic of choice would be sports, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and I like basketball and a lot of people don't really watch basketball. Um, so that's, those are some of the struggles that I've first encountered out here. Um, but again, I think you find, you know, you beat the right people. And to be honest, you just got to kind of put yourself out there. You got to be social. You got to, you know, meet people, talk. Yeah, talk about your experiences, your stories, and you know you'll click with certain people. And then once you do, then life t- tends to feel better. Yeah. You know, better, nice. So like Harvard did this seventy-five year study. Seventy-five years they followed men from all walks of life, from super successful to just above the poverty line, and they asked them all. What is gonna what is gonna make you happy when you grow up? What did they all say? I want to be rich and I want to be famous. Almost unanimously, mm-hmm. right? At the end of the seventy-five years, after they kept interviewing these people throughout their lives, they found that it wasn't. Some of them became rich and successful, weren't happy. Some of them didn't, were happiest people they've ever they've ever uh, uh, interviewed, and they they started. Figuring out, like, why are these people happy and these people not happy? Like, this person came from a royal family, very unhappy, rich and successful. This person came from a very poor family, very happy, and vice versa, right? And they found that human connection was the number one thing, the number one factor for human happiness. Human connection, like genuinely sitting down and laughing together, you know, crying together, building that bond, that trust, you know, the camaraderie, uh, like family and extended family and close family friends and, you know, people that you can depend on, that they will depend on you. Yeah. That is that is the joy of life. That is that really is something that entrepreneurs so often avoid. Because we forget, right? Because yeah. we come back to numbers and cents, right? Dollars and mm-hmm. figures. And we result back to thinking about it as a business. Yeah. Which, again, you need that to be successful in a business. But then you also need that to be successful, successful as a human. human. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there you go. All right. I've, got some, I've got some, um, just some final questions for you. They're quick ones. Um, and... Uh, We'll go through a couple of them, right. and then we'll, we'll finish up. We'll wrap up here. Um, one of the things I've been kind of looking at for a while um, now, not well, for a, for a few months, is mm-hmm. uh, a mentor or a business coach. Yeah. Have you explored that at all in sort of a formal or informal way? Informal way. Yeah. I think it's very important to have a mentor. 
I think it's very important to have somebody that can give you guidance. Mm-hmm. Um, How did you find yours? Luck. Luck. Former client. Mm. Uh, it was a client that who hasn't, didn't actually end up, ending, ended up going with us, but we developed a very strong relationship yeah. um, because we had some commonalities. He's a sure. business guy. He ran a very successful business. Um, he was like at the time, like in his life where he's like retiring and then he moved to Vancouver, bought a house here. Um, and then we just, we just stayed, we just kept connecting and talking and, you know, I, I get a wealth. I don't, I don't even think he knows how much information I get. Holy smokes. Oh, that's your cat. My cat just went insane. <laughs> yeah. Holy so crap. I don't, uh. I don't think. Oh, did you see that, Daddy? Yeah, that was crazy. Did she just run into the glass? Just straight into the glass. Oh my god! <laughs> I think there's a mouse on the other side wow. or something. That's funny. <laughs> okay, so men- mentors are uh, an important part of. of I think of your life I think now. it's it's very important because you yeah. need, you know, again, you're you're going through you're gonna go through trials and tribulations, right? And you're going to need to have somebody that you can talk to. Yeah. That's generally a little. I always find like it's very important that your mentor yeah. is like older than you. Yeah. You know, who has more life experience yes. than you. That Someone who's tell, been there, done that. Been there, done that. Oh, and right. done some of the things that you want to do, perhaps. Exactly. Yeah. And has gone through those challenges and those yeah. endeavors. So that way, um, they can give you some insight, you know, and learn from their mistakes. Okay. Right? I, I asked you that just because I I need someone to remind me that that's important. <laughs> so it is. That, so it that is. I, I continue to seek out somebody. I've, I actually do have somebody um, that I recently met. Um, that will serve more as a business coach than a mentor, yeah. but they have they have some commonalities. I think I think with a business coach, it's more like um, you have a particular goal, and they're going to help you get there. They're going right. to give you the resources, the tools, the connections, the whatever, the just conversation, right? To to get to that particular goal. Yeah. Whereas a mentor, I think, is a little bit more um, a little bit more broad. I don't know. Did you say that? No. No, I don't know. You know? Okay. Uh, I don't know. I think a mentor is essentially. A coach. a coach because here's somebody that you're going to come to with some of the challenges that you're having and they're going to coach you through and them. they're going to coach you through them mm. you know sure so enough. like i like i've seen like like, like over the last three years or two years actually yeah. this phenomenon of life coaches and business yeah, coaches has so just many. just grown and all these different people now have coaches and like do you know who your coach is? Yes. They don't what really. What have they done? What have they exactly. done? They don't really that. know. You but know what sometimes I mean? all you need is like somebody you respect, and that that you will sometimes feel accountable to. You just yeah, you just need a kick you in know? the butt. Sometimes exactly. you just need something. Like, exactly. That's what you're hiring them for is to exactly. is to be accountable. I'm yeah. marrying my coach. <laughs> <laughs> I you feel know? the exact same way. So I mean, it's it's good, right? I don't like. I know I get a lot. Like she does a lot of that for yeah. me. You know, hold me accountable, especially when it comes to the gym and working out yeah. and eating healthy. You know, I know she does that. She all does that the for me. That I try and all, avoid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I will work late because I you know, yes. I have time to go to the gym. But um, I think that, you know, having A, the right spouse can help you with that. But B, you know, a a mentor is somebody that can guide you through those. And I think it's more valuable than a business coach because they tend to know you a little bit more intimately. Sure. You know, they build that bond and relationship. And I'm a firm believer that proximity matters. Mm -hmm. You know, like I can't have, there's no way somebody's going to have the same kind of impact with me when they're not near me, yeah. you know, when like they're not here feeling yeah. me, touching me, feeling my energy, my, my mood, that's so critical, right? Mm-hmm. How can you coach me through life if you don't 
Yeah. If you're not, if you're not, if you're not where I am, and you'll feel less accountable the further they are away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I just won't answer important. their call. <laughs> right. So yeah. it's not like to me. I don't know. Like, like yes, there's value in it, um, but at the same time, I also think that um, I don't want to take anything away from coaches. Yeah. But you know, in life, a lot of people look for the shortcut. You know. Oh, this one solution is going to fix all of my problems. Having a coach is going to make me successful. No, your actions will make you successful. You know, taking that action to have a coach is not going to make you take more action. Discipline is going to make you take more action. You know, not motivation, not um, uh, you know rewards or any any of that. Just the discipline to know I've got to do these. It's the work. To get to where I want to be and just work, yeah. you know, and just fucking put in the time, man, you know, and that's, that's all, like, I don't know, like, that's, the majority of life is, if you just take an action, is a hundred times better than just thinking about it and planning and planning, because I find a lot of people fail because they don't act, they just simply do not act. I have people that are more talented than me. There's people that are a lot more, a lot smarter than me. You know, people that have bet way more experience than me. The only difference between where I am and where they are is I've acted. I acted, and a good friend of mine told me an 80% decision today is better than a 100% decision tomorrow, and that is the truth. So I don't care. Words to live by. Yeah, and I don't care about making a perfect decision because through experience, there's no such thing. There's no such thing. I can have the most, the best business plan in the world and I've got every base covered and then within a month of my business, half of this shit's got to change. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, why are you spending all this time trying to come up with this perfect plan when in reality, within a week or two, you're going to have to adjust and be fluid. Yeah. You know? And that's the only way to kind of, if you stay rigid, you're going to fail because you can't take, you, you can't be, um, uh, you can't be versatile enough to maneuver with the challenges that are presented to you, right? I think, um, I think that's the perfect way to end off right there. I All like right. that a lot. Good. No well, more questions, huh? <laughs> no, well, I have some, but I just, that's just, I don't think we're going to do too much better than that. So let's <laughs> leave right. it there. Um, I always give, um, I always <laughs> don't do my face. <laughs> Um, I, I want to give you an opportunity to uh, plug whatever you want to plug, uh, your websites, whatever. Um, oh, okay, perfect. I appreciate that. Yeah, um, if you're in the Vancouver area and you want to transform your lifestyle with a renovation of your home where you spend all of your time, come check us out, Vancouver General Contractors. We'll take care of everything for you from conceptual design all the way through to the final finish touch-up paints and everything in between. One-stop a good team, they'll just take care of everything for you as enjoyable as possible. And we'll put uh, your URL in the show notes, VancouverGeneralContractors.com, nice That's and right. easy. And, uh, well, dude, I, I just want to thank you. I appreciate your time yeah, very you. much. It's always a pleasure. Appreciate the chat. What I sort of aim to do is find people that, that I know I've had like great conversations with before right. so that we could sit here, have a really good conversation, hopefully provide um, some value to the folks that watch this and um, and have some good fun doing it as well. Absolutely. So I appreciate your time. I know you're a busy guy. Thank you everyone for, for joining us. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for your time. Um, I hope you enjoyed this. I hope you enjoyed this new format. I'm gonna sort of switch back and forth a little bit. 
Um, so please give me your comments. Um, tell me what you like, tell me what you don't like. If you have some questions that you'd like me to ask in the future, ask future entrepreneurs, let me know. I'll add them if, uh, if they're any good. And uh, otherwise, we will see you on episode 33. I hope you enjoyed. Have a great week. Thanks, guys.